Welcome to the Longview Podcast, a show for Catholic school teachers, Catholic school teachers, and anyone who works to form young people in the faith. I'm Joe. And I'm Elizabeth, and we're here to bring you conversation, contemplation, and some food for thought. So grab your red pen, your favorite beverage, and enjoy. Joe, it has been a full two months since we've had a podcast. Yeah, like a year ago. Uh, yeah, it was last year. It was 2018. Mm-hmm. We have been a little busy, but it's Catholic Schools Week, so we're back in the saddle. Kicking it off 2019 with an awesome guest. I'm excited for Happy today. Happy Catholic Schools Week, Happy everybody. Happy Catholic Schools Week. All 20 of you who are still listening and been waiting patiently for two months. You know, I keep running into people who who are like, oh, I love your podcast. And like, I had no idea you are listening. So to all of you... Who are listening? Thanks. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of fun doing this. And um, why did it take us so long? Golly, well, Thanksgiving happened, and then my small business blew up for Christmas. So that was like super busy. <laughs> was doing a lot of my sewing. Small business. Small. I'm not. I'm shout not out, to... shout out, Betty Jo right. Sews, our primary sponsor. Uh, it's a little embarrassing here. <laughs> I'm trying not to like sponsor myself. Anyway, I've been sewing a lot. <laughs> okay. I was sewing a lot during December. Okay. And you were grading finals. Ugh. And then we went to Alabama for Christmas, or mm-hmm. after Christmas, and that was great. I had a little break. Um, I got really sick, but it's good to be sick when you're with your mom and you don't have anything to do, so. Um, and then and then it was getting back into the swing for the new year, so. Mm-hmm. It's been pretty busy. I picked up a side gig. Uh, working for Catholic Charities for their literacy program. Good for so you. So I've been flexing my teaching muscles a little bit. You still got it. Yeah, it's it's good. It's a good feeling to remember, like, oh yeah, I know how to teach kids stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good feeling. Um, well, here we are. Yeah, how's your how's your January been for getting back into school? You've got second semester seniors now, so. It's been good. It's actually been a good transition. We, I would give a shout out to our faculty retreat. I got a lot out of it. Um, uh, we meet as a, as a, all the staff, faculty and staff, and um, meet at uh, a Jesuit retreat house, and we reflect on things. And what I got out of it was basically, you know, everything is awesome, and be more grateful and enjoy the moment. And as much as I want to just go, 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 do, 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 like what a gift it is. What a, what a what a what a blessing it is to to and the privilege to be a teacher and so you know that's not something to just you know get off your plate it's something to really enjoy and, and treasure and value so um yeah especially with second semester seniors i that's kind of what i kind of emphasize to them is like this is your last semester and you know no other time will you be a high school senior again so how why not we enjoy these last few months instead of just rushing to the end so um yeah well, I know that the second semester typically is difficult for them. So hopefully you can keep bringing them back to that. Let's just be and enjoy. And mm-hmm. here's some more homework. <laughs> Please do it. Mm-hmm. See, it's important. Um, I'm really excited about our guest today. Do you want me to introduce him? Yeah, you, you should introduce him. Our so- next guest is, uh, has the honor of being the second jesuit on our podcast <laughs> can i talk to him Am I to talk to <laughs> i've been yet. sitting here listening to you two. not yet um 
this is the voice you hear is Mr. David Lugo, SJ. Um, he, I've known him a very long time, probably my second, third year teaching. Uh, he came in as a novice uh, to the school and then uh, disappeared and came back. Uh, so blessed to have him again uh, as a colleague for three years while he was at Jesuit Dallas. Were you his mentor? Did you mentor him? I was not his mentor. No. Um, but he definitely hung around a lot. And the reason, <laughs> the reason I was not home on time was because we would always chat and process things all the time. Yeah. Yeah. The best moments, the best moments were certainly when Elizabeth would text me and say, let my husband come home. <laughs> Please go away. So my husband can come home for dinner. So yeah, just getting to, you know, grow and support each other in our vocations, him with the society, uh, me and when I, you know, was transforming as husband and father and having over to the house and just you know it's been awesome but then now he left us again (laughs) he's in in canada don't hold don't hold on to me as the lord said (sighs) this is is true you know all the the men that we've been blessed to to walk with for a little bit like they the jesuits they belong to the church that's right he's definitely a man of god and definitely belongs to the church and we're just happy that um, he could spend some time on our podcast, which is interestingly because he has two podcasts now. Indeed. What? <laughs> so shout out to the Other Things podcast. And what's, what's the, the name of your new one? <laughs> we just released a new one called Homily Prep, and that one started last week. Indeed. You should check him out. David is an, is a is a professional podcaster. So Well, once he, you have two podcasts, then you are officially you're a podcaster. Offic- you're a podcaster for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He was just showing us his own microphone earlier, so that's a big deal. <laughs> I, I leveled up, indeed. You know, when you when you were introducing me, thank you for the introduction, but when you introduced me, you forgot to mention that I've known you guys since before you were married, um, but since before you were engaged. Yeah, true. Because when I met Joe, so I met Joe first because he was at the school, clearly, and um, it was one of the games of chess, I think, where we became friends. We played chess a lot. Um, and eventually he invited me over to meet you. Yeah. I think I might've been visiting from Atlanta or maybe not. It was something like I that. I just you, moved there. You just, because I, we were, we were in an apartment. By yeah. Then. So you were in Dallas. your apartment. I was in my apartment. And... Right. And you, I think you cooked dinner, Elizabeth, for us Probably. or something. Um, <laughs> I've been known to do that. <laughs> yeah. No, it was, I just, I remember that specifically because I remember leaving Dallas and Joe was not yet engaged. But coming back, and Joe had a kid. <laughs> so was... Magic. Yeah, yeah. Very beautiful. We invited you to our wedding. You were uh, somewhere. Busy. Somewhere out of the country. Remind me when you were married. What was your date? 2012, July. July of 2012? Uh, hmm, I don't know where I was. This is awkward. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I was really busy. I was... <laughs> well regardless somehow we're still friends um so So you're in toronto and you're finishing up studies this semester your second semester senior ish (laughs) that's right i'm also the second semester senior i'm in the master of divinity program here in toronto um at a jesuit school of theology which is you know it's just par for the course of when you get towards the end of your priestly formation you do a master of divinity and and you finish that, and then you get ordained to the diaconate, and then to the priesthood, God willing. So exciting! We're really, really pumped for that. Yeah, I've been wanting. So I was. So I was. 
telling you guys earlier, I, I'm in this class right now learning how to preside a mask, which is a fantastic, you know, many people might might not know, but priests actually go through a process of learning how to say mass, even though some priests might not com communicate that to you. Um, it's been a very beautiful experience standing at the altar, vested, you know, in a chasuble and a stole. And I was thinking about this last week because we were going through, um, we were going through the Eucharistic prayer for the first time and, you know, pronouncing the words of institution, uh, you know, with bread in my hands and with a chalice full of wine. And I just, I just couldn't help it. I didn't cry or anything because I'm just not that kind of person, but I couldn't help but think back to when I was 13. I mean, I've been wanting to be a priest since I was 13. And it was just a very beautiful moment of like, oh, a sigh of relief of like, I'm finally here toward at this sort of point in my life of sort of running a race and approaching a finish line and knowing full well that the journey is very much just beginning. Um, but there was a moment there of like, oh, I'm allowed to enjoy this mm -hmm. moment. Um, which is really rare for us because we're always on the move and oftentimes we, we don't stop to realize I, I'm allowed to be happy about this, which is awesome, you know, and I want to be a priest and it gives me a lot of life and joy and, you know, standing at the altar with a chasuble on and holding bread in my hand. It's like, there's nothing that feels more natural. Like I just, I don't know. It feels really great. We're really excited for your next steps. How has it been? So, you know, you've been in, uh, in front of the classroom and how's the transition to be uh, like back in the classroom being the student again? Oh man, it's awful. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, it's not bad. It's not bad. I, I will say um, two things, one positive and one critical. The positive thing is that I have found very much that in, in me after teaching, I want to learn. Like I, I want to be a student where I remember before I had ever taught, you know, I very much took education for granted, my own education. And after having taught, really realizing in the teaching process how much I don't know and how much I love what I'm teaching and how much I want to know it better. And it was actually one of the reasons that I petitioned my provincial to send me to study theology is that I told them, I want to study theology precisely because I want to be a better teacher. Because I feel like I, and I said this to him, I said, I feel like I owe it to my future students to be a good student myself and to learn this stuff because I felt like I was a good theology teacher when I taught in Dallas, but a lot of it I was making up as I went along because I didn't have a formal education in teaching or even a formal education in theology. So being back in school, it's a huge grace because I feel like, man, I fell in love with teaching and I fell in love with my students. And I think ahead to the kinds of students that I will have in the future. And I'm like, I can make a better gift of myself if I invest myself in my studies now. So like, there's a very positive feeling there of being back in the classroom of like, I don't want to skimp on my studies because I want to be a better teacher for my future kids. You know? um, the one critical thing I would say is it's hard being in the classroom because you know when teachers are just trying to pull a fast one on you. Mm -hmm. And it's because you've done it yourself, you know, like I, you know, so it's like, I can read, I can read the writing on the wall, you know, uh, professor so-and-so, I know you didn't plan anything today because you're pulling out some random exercise that I've done too. Like, Oh, think, pair, share, let's, you know, let's do the think, pair, share thing. It's like, no, you didn't plan for this. You just didn't plan anything. So, <laughs> so it's very, it's very difficult to be patient in the classroom when you start seeing that the, the, the tricks that you tried to pull on your students are being pulled on you. And I get very frustrated about that. 
Tell me about your relationship to teaching and your relationship to your vocation as a Jesuit. So, like, did did you consider teaching as part of that vocation, or was it mostly you were drawn to society and to the priesthood, and kind of teaching came thrown in with it? Like, you know, what which came first there? Um, yeah. So I, I first felt a call to the priesthood, full stop. Um, and for me, the priesthood when I was thirteen, the 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 locus of the call was the Eucharist. It just was. Um, and it's not to be overly pious about it. It just happened to be the case that I had a very strong experience and powerful experience of God in the Eucharist that convinced me that this is where I feel God is calling me to go, is to serve his people by bringing Jesus to them in the Eucharist. Um, so that was first. And I, that got me through high school, you know, discerning that vocation. And it wasn't until I got to college that I even met the Jesuits. Um and there was a very beautiful experience there of falling in love with with something I didn't know anything about. Um, when I first met the Jesuits, there was just something very romantic about their life. Um, you're telling me that I could live my priestly life and be a very educated man and dedicate my life to go anywhere in the world and to bring people Jesus to people and be a, be a teacher of the faith and maybe even teach anything because they teach anything. And I started just, all this started to snowball into one, you know, mass of dough that was my vocation. Um, it's hard to distinguish the things. Um, when I talked to my mom uh, and my dad about my vocation, they, they both were very tentative when I first told them I wanted to be a priest uh, out of high school. So after college, when I r- returned to them uh, with the idea of being a Jesuit priest, my mom said, oh, thank God. <laughs> she said she said you know i i don't understand the priesthood thing all the time but for you to be a jesuit is great you know it was a jesuit that married us um and she said there's a long history of teachers in our family and in her mind being a jesuit priest is equivalent to being a teacher mm-hmm. and so i never really thought about it until she said that it's like yeah i've always loved teaching i've loved i've never thought about it as teaching but i've loved explaining things to people i love being there with people to help fill in their gaps of understanding. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe a, another story to help uh, give some context. I remember when I first met uh, uh, priests in high school and thought about priesthood, I didn't know anything about who Jesuits were, but I knew that there was a high school in Houston um, that was uh, run by priests. I knew this vaguely. Um, you know, spoiler alert, it was a Jesuit school. Um, but I remember when I was like 16... I'd already felt like I'd been bitten by the bug of wanting to be a priest. And I had this really weird, like, suspicion that there was this group of priests that live in this high school that teach. And that really piqued my interest when I was a kid uh, because I felt like there was a great freedom in the vocation that these men were living the life of a priest. But you're telling me that I don't have to give up my saxophone. I don't have to give up my love of mathematics. I don't have to give up my love of science. I don't have to give any of that up. I can be a priest and do all of that stuff too. And I don't know. And so the rest is history for me is that it all kind of came to the fore once. And the society offered me an avenue to live out all of my gifts in in one way. I didn't feel like I had to pick and choose between the things that God had blessed me with. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I don't think I've ever heard you tell those stories and I've heard you tell a lot of stories. So yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I can tell more if you'd like. Well, that's why we have you here on our podcast. (laughs) Are there any moments uh, in your teaching that, that stick out that um, 
you know, like highlights or the moments that you kind of hold on to as, as far as uh, your time in the classroom? Yeah. Um, there's two, to- there's two stories I'll tell you. Um, so for me teaching, and this is not surprising, I guess, uh, for me teaching is far beyond the classroom. Um, and that's just true. I think of good pedagogy and being a good professor and being a good teacher. Um, but there's two stories that I will always remember uh, from teaching in Dallas. And there were many beautiful stories, um, but two that stand out. So one is in the classroom and it was a confirmation moment for me that I want to teach. Uh, so I was teaching ethics to juniors and this is the only time in my life where I felt moved to cry in front of people. Uh, and it, I didn't plan it. Like I didn't plan it at all. Uh, and it was the most unexpected topic. We were talking about Aristotle and something in, in the moment, like moved me to tears. Um, because what we were talking about, if you know anything about Aristotle, would mean virtue ethics and wanting to be an excellent person growing into manhood and honor and courage and virtue and all that. Um, and looking up to your heroes. And so I got into this huge lesson with the boys about, um, you know, who do you look up to in your life? And started making a lot of connections to them, hopefully drawing analogies of like, oh, you look up to Michael Jordan because you're a basketball player. Well, you know, by analogy in your life, there are people you look up to that you want to become. That's the life of virtue, the life of excellence. But I got really into it. And at some point, I forgot what I was teaching them. And I just started like talking to them about how deeply I wanted them to be better people. Uh, And I started like getting really emotional because I was like, there's like a genuine sense of, I really love you and I'm tired of you guys squandering your opportunities. Like, you know, I don't know. I was, it was all under the guise of like Aristotle wants you to be excellent, but I was, I was just sort of moved in the moment of like, come on guys. Like you look up to Michael Jordan and you look up to Cristiano Ronaldo and that's awesome because you want to be better. But I'm telling you, like, I want you to be better and I want you to grow and to be men and to love and to be awesome. I don't know. Just in the moment, the curriculum went out the window and it was just sort of this moment of I really could feel like I'm loving these children, uh, like helping them grow in excellence. And I don't know. And I started crying kind of like in, in the zeal of it. Right. Like I didn't break down, but I was like, I don't know. I was getting very emotional. Anyway, that was one moment that I felt like I feel very confirmed that teaching is not. like the transmission of knowledge but it's you know in the greek sense pedagogy is walking with um you know on the road with someone else um the pedagogues were the tutors that walked with the children on the road to the marketplace and to be a pedagogue is to walk with a person um and with these boys i really felt like i was on a journey with them and they were teaching me how to be a good teacher too right they were constantly teaching me of why what i was doing was stupid or whatnot and I, I felt like I went through the crucible with them. And so I was moved to emotion um, when I wanted them to become better people. So that's one story that stands out. The other story is not in the classroom, but this one was a confirming moment for me of wanting to be a Jesuit priest. Um, I may have told you this story, Joe. I, I don't remember. But it factors very large in my desire to be a priest now. Um, so this was my last year. And... I taught math and theology, and many of the students that I taught were on the varsity soccer team. And uh, it came around to the the playoffs, and the boys in the, on the varsity soccer team did such a great job that they qualified for state. 
and they were going to go to Austin to compete in the quarter, semi, and finals. The problem that I had, though, was that this coincided with the Triduum. And I got really upset, and I was venting to one of the boys about how this is completely unfair and wrong, or a Catholic school, and these boys should not be competing on the Triduum, like they should be going to church. Should be going to church. Uh, and one of, one of the guys, he was awesome. He was 17 at the time, great kid. He said, Mr. Lugo, if you're so mad about it, why don't you do something about it? Ooh. And if you're not going to do anything about it, yeah, if you're not going to do anything about it, then stop complaining. <laughs> <laughs> I said, fine, fine. So we went with him. I went with him to the, to the head coach, um, a saint of a man at the school, uh, the head soccer coach. And I, you know, sort of talked to him a little bit about it. And he said, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, but this is the reality. We compete in the public school system, and this is when the schedule is. So I went home, and I was talking to another one of my Jesuit friends, and we, we realized, it's like, wait a minute. If these boys can't go to church, we can take church to the boys. And why don't we go with them, and we'll design a prayer service modeled after every day of the Triduum. And we'll sit with them in the hotel lobby, and on Thursday night, we'll wash their feet. On Friday night, we'll pass around a crucifix. And on Saturday night, we'll pass around a candle. Because... If they can't go to church, church will come to them. And it was just a very magnificent experience because we did all those things. And then they ended up winning state. And so it was like this magnificent climax at the end of it of, of rejoicing, um, of being with them as a companion uh, on the road and being the representative of the church to them. So I, I put that in the, in the, as an answer to your question about being a good teacher because for me, being a teacher and being a priest are sort of indistinguishable. And I felt at that moment that I was being a great priest to them, um, you know, not waiting in the sanctuary of their local church for them to show up, but saying, OK, I'll bring you the sacraments wherever you are. Well, my favorite part of that story, that beautiful story was the coach, you know, obviously welcoming and, uh, and affirming what you wanted to bring to the table. But then at the end of that third service, like, what did he end up saying to the guys? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, do you remember? I, I'm trying to remember what he said exactly. Like basically, like, no matter what happens later today or tomorrow, like, this is the most important thing that you did today. Oh, my God, you're going to make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He was, he was super complimentary uh, to us, you know, when we did the washing of the feet. Um, and we actually did that with their parents before they left. Um, I took my vow crucifix on Friday and passed that around uh, for the boys to venerate on Friday. And on Saturday... The, the idea was for us to do a little service modeled after the Easter Vigil. And we had a candle in the middle. And everyone had a little tea light. And they were going to bring their tea light to the Easter candle. Um, and they wanted, I wanted, we wanted them to name something that they were grateful for. Um, and like right off the bat, the coach was the first one to go. And this is a man who's in his late 60s, like seasoned, you know, man. He gets up with tears in his eyes, choking uh you know on his words and says to the boys exactly what you just said joe it's like no matter what happens today and this is the last day so they're going to play finals today and he says no matter what happens today this is the most important thing you would ever do today and he and he said i'm grateful for you guys and you guys are everything to me and he puts his candle down and then all the boys from that point forward i mean he modeled what a good teacher does he modeled the behavior that he expected of the boys but there was not a dry eye in the room. Um, I remember talking to one of the other faculty after that moment. 
and he said if the boys play right now they're gonna win <laughs> and i was like this is freaking awesome i don't know this is a really this is a really there's the intersection of like the church's liturgical life the faith life of of the church with the boys on the road you know and if they're constantly going to be elsewhere well then we better meet them where they're at and that's the special thing about a catholic school is that that you can have those experiences of prayer and um and like forming their forming their hearts i mean it's not just about you know teaching them math and teaching them Mm -hmm. philosophy or whatever but like forming their hearts Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was huge. It was, I mean, I don't know how much they'll remember that story. I mean, for me, it was deeply impactful. They're going to remember that weekend because they won state. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if there's a glimmer there of memory of that experience, for sure. Um, but it's not about that, really. I mean, like, for me, it was a very important thing to do for myself, for sure. Um, and, you know, the boys probably would not have gone to Mass if they had stayed home. So... In a, in a sense, there's sort of a win-win here because that they probably did more religion mm-hmm. that weekend than they would have otherwise. Right. I don't know. But I think your point is well taken, Elizabeth, that this is part of the beauty of Catholic school is that I don't have to apologize for doing that. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. No, it was cool. It was a very cool experience. Well, um, speaking of religion and prayer, perhaps I could talk should... about Pythagorean <laughs> theorem if you want. No, I think we're good on math. I think we have enough math in this house, so we're gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna ask my mathematician to read the reading for today, which actually comes from the Acts of the Apostles. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Then the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, "Get up and head south on the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza, the desert route." So he got up and set out. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace that is, the queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury, who had come to Jerusalem to worship, and was returning home. Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. The spirit said to Philip, Go and join up with that chariot. Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, Do you understand what you are reading? He replied, How can I, unless someone instructs me? So he invited Philip to get in and sit with them. This was the scripture passage he was reading. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will tell of his posterity? For his life is taken from the earth. Then the eunuch said to Philip in reply, I beg you, about whom is the prophet saying this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and... Beginning with the scripture passage, he proclaimed Jesus to him. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, there is water. What is to prevent my being baptized? Then he ordered the chariot to stop, and Philip and the eunuch both went down into the water, and he baptized him. When they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, but continued on his way rejoicing. The Word of the Lord. Place yourself in the story and think of your students. The teacher asks, do you understand what you are reading? And your student responds, how can I unless someone instructs me? How do you respond? Who has proclaimed Jesus to me 
as Philip proclaimed him to the eunuch. Do I thirst for the sacraments in the same way that the eunuch thirsted for his baptism? A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Then the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, Get up and head south on the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza, the desert route. So he got up and set out. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, that is, the queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury, who had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home. Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. The spirit said to Philip, Go and join up with that chariot. Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, Do you understand what you are reading? He replied, How can I unless someone instructs me? So he invited Philip to get in and sit with him. This was the scripture passage he was reading. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will tell of his posterity? For his life is taken from the earth. Then the eunuch said to Philip in reply, I beg you, about whom is the prophet saying this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture passage, he proclaimed Jesus to him. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, there is water. What is to prevent my being baptized? Then he ordered the chariot to stop, and Philip and the eunuch both went down in the water, and he baptized him. When they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, but continued on his way rejoicing. The word of the Lord. So David, tell us about why you chose this scripture passage. This is one I'm not familiar with, so I'm really interested to hear. What yeah. Um, I, I've loved this passage for a long time. I We used this passage when I was in college. Um, I was leading a Bible study and we were studying the book of Acts. And it, the, the slogan for the semester became um, what the eunuch says to Philip. Um, and, you know, so the eunuch is reading the book of, uh, Isaiah and he doesn't know what he's reading. He doesn't understand. And, you know, in his interaction with Philip, he says to him, how can I understand unless I have someone to teach me? And that kind of became the slogan for our Bible study is, you know, Hmm. my understanding of the scriptures depends a lot on having someone who can teach me. Uh, my understanding of who this man Jesus is depends on someone having, having met him to share that with me. So when you ask me to consider a passage that's important to me when I think about teaching, this passage just sort of summarizes a lot of what, what is the encounter between teacher and student and ultimately God and teacher and student. Um, you know, I, I think there's some lessons here for me of like, okay, if you look at the text, there's something interesting that the eunuch is reading the book of Isaiah and he wants to know who it's about. And Philip says, it's about Jesus. It's mm-hmm. about Jesus. You know, and I think a lot about, you know, as a teacher, oftentimes we say this tongue in cheek, but it's true. Our kids are asking us, what is the point of this? What is the point of what I'm learning? And if you as a Catholic school teacher are not saying that it's about Jesus, then what are you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what I don't know what you're doing. Um, and maybe that's too fine a point. But that's food for prayer, I think, for me of like, 
if not if I'm not about to explain how this is about Jesus to them, maybe not this particular topic, but this that we're doing here is about Jesus. Um, there's also a, a point there too that it it is all about Jesus, truthfully, um, and there's something really important there. Um, maybe the second point that I'll just point out, and I'd love to hear from you guys what your thoughts are. Uh, another thing that stands out to me a lot is that this encounter of education with the teacher ends with an encounter with God. The whole thing on the road, first off, which has clear, you know, resonances with me as a Jesuit and meeting, like that story about, you know, state soccer, you know, meeting the the students on the road. Um, Every opportunity on the road is an opportunity to learn, uh, to encounter something new about God. But the, the study of the scriptures gives way for the sacrament of baptism. And it's like, you know, at the end of the day, put the books away and get into the water and receive Christ. Mm. You know, and there's just something really powerful in there for me, too, is like as a teacher, I think I can. I think one of the reasons that I cry or that I get really into it or very emotional when I teach theology is that for me, it's not about the books. Like I love studying and I love being intelligent and making other people intelligent. I love those things. But I, I get emotional about it because for me, it's I want these kids to fall in love with Jesus. And I want them to be baptized and I want them to go to confession. Um, I don't know. So this story, I think, has a good trajectory there of like, yeah, meet people on the road and explain to them what they read. Show them it's about Jesus and then also baptize them. Mm-hmm. Have them encounter the risen Lord. Mm-hmm. Anyway, those are some thoughts. Yeah, it's, it's, it stands out to me that you your other option for this, you know, you kind of gave me two choices of, of which scripture and the other was the road to Emmaus. And these passages really parallel and he's mm-hmm. you know, philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture passage he proclaimed jesus to him i mean that that like the language there very much copies the language of of at the road to emmaus when jesus you know opens like speaks to them about the word uh, you know about scripture and and how, and reveals how he you know his his story throughout scripture and they're traveling along and mm-hmm. at the end they come to recognize the lord um, I think there, there's a really beautiful parallel in the structure there. And where does where does where do they encounter the Lord in Emmaus? In, in the breaking, uh, breaking of the bread, the in the sacrament. In a sacrament, yeah, you know. And so there's the 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 dual nature of word and sacrament in both stories. Um, you know, and it's not until the breaking of the bread that you know they know him. In in the water, he knew the Lord. Um, and also the story ends in the same way as Emmaus, in that Philip was snatched away. Just like Jesus disappears. Yeah, the Lord snatched Philip away. The spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. And the eunuch yeah. saw him no more, but continued on his way rejoicing. That he leaves change. You know, he leaves oh my God. rejoicing. Yeah. And think of the disciples on Emmaus, right? They leave that encounter, not with seeing their, the Lord anymore. But their hearts are burning within them. Oh my God. Right. It's just it's a lot it's a lot of the same yeah, the same like, theology, I think, is there. It's like with my students and the bell rings, they leave rejoicing <laughs> as well. <laughs> Yeah, heart set on fire. I'm sure. <laughs> now, what what speaks to me, like the Philip, like what's the, what's the phrase, like leading someone to water. Like you, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. <laughs> maybe that's not the same, but like literally leads them to 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 the water. And the fact that whatever it was in the reading and the understanding and the education to where. Uh, the eunuch desired baptism like oh yeah like yeah. seeking out like like ooh, like i i want to be cleansed i want to be made clean um i want to be baptized and ooh, there's water like 
Like I want that right now. Right. Like, like the the education has has turned that has created a desire, a hunger, a thirst, mm-hmm. obviously, um, for some kind of action, for some kind of change, for some absolutely transformation. Which, I mean, that's a great, uh, definitely a great image for for being in the classroom and what we hope what we desire mm-hmm. for our students like you said to just it, it should all lead to jesus at some point and as much as the i mean that's definitely been a theme in our podcast is, is as much as we have curriculum and as much as we have you know the academic uh, intellectual part of things in the end we're we're here to transform hearts and mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and form you know virtue and form character but also form that love and that desire um, in the Catholic education, that, that desire for relationship with Christ and, and therefore, you know, to be rejoicing and to share that with others. Yeah. Um, and I definitely take that for granted. And I'm trying to think of like, well, what ways, you know, well, well, yes, you have the academic ways and, you know, it's kind of like you're, you're being given this gift of, of your intellect and, you know, trying to feed that. But I think, the only thing I, I I hope that my students see, because I'm always leading class with prayer, and I tell them too, it's like it's really for me to make sure that I'm in the right mindset. But I also think I am, you know, directly indirectly witnessing to them. Like the big picture here is that we're um, becoming better versions of ourselves, becoming better men, better students, and being grateful and, and thanking all of that. And so, you know, as much as you can look at my class and my material as just something to get through, especially with second semester seniors, you know, these are all opportunities and blessings that we mm-hmm, have to, mm-hmm. to, to grow and keep growing and on this journey that we have. And yeah, the fact that we're surrounded, uh, students and teachers, we're surrounded by so many relationships that can, that can lead us uh, closer to Christ. Yeah. Uh, Joe, one thing that I, I heard you say that, that made me think is, so one thing I love about this story is that, it's not just the communication of information. Um, he asks him very clearly, who is this man about? Um, but what is this story about? And there can be a communication of information. Um, but it seems like Philip is a really good companion on the road because he just doesn't communicate information. He cultivates desire. Mm-hmm. So like, as you were saying, like he leaves that encounter in the scriptures with a desire for baptism. Um, precisely, you know, like what's to it? prevent me from being baptized he wants that um you know as a teacher i have a responsibility to communicate information but to also cultivate desire you know and it could be self-serving it's like oh i want all of my kids to be mathematicians or it could be you know more honest and say i want all of my kids to fall in love with the lord and to want him um and that's difficult to do and how do you how do you teach desire um well a lot of it is not discursive a lot of it is not information you transmit a lot of it is by your example. Um, you know, I mean, Joe, by starting your class off with prayer, that's modeling for the boys in a way that, you know, they see you with your boy, with your own boys and with your wife being a good man, a good husband. Hopefully they see that and they say, I want to be like this man someday. Yeah, and that's a way of cultivating desire. Um, then. Um, so that's one, one point. The other point that I would just say that resonates with me too, uh, Elizabeth, with your connection with the road to Emmaus, is that it's the same author in both mm-hmm. accounts. Um, and the way that I read the story a little bit is that, so, so Philip is in the place of Christ. And it's not just any Christ, it's the risen Christ. Mm-hmm. And it's precisely because Philip himself has come into contact with the risen Christ that he's able to do what Christ has done. So 
what Christ did for the men on Emmaus is what Philip is able to do to the eunuch precisely because Philip is also transformed by Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so there's a, there's a lesson here for what does it mean to be a good teacher? Well, it's not just having a lot of information, but if you're not converted, then get out of the classroom. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what, I don't know what you're doing, but you're not, you're not helping because you're keeping, you're keeping it your education solely on the level of transmission of information rather than testimony witness you're witnessing to an encounter you know so like when i talk to, i think that's why i get passionate because like when i talk to the kids about the resurrection it's like i don't think about it as like let's talk about theories of the resurrection and it's like no i believe that jesus has been risen from the dead for the forgiveness of my sins and i want you to believe too mm-hmm. but if i'm not converted as a teacher then right. i don't know if I, I i deserve my job and it's not a one time like oh i was converted therefore here i am as a teacher it's like we we're, we have to continue this relationship. We have to keep coming back to the source. It's that image. Joe, Joe loves to give the image of like holding out your two hands and being filled up so you can pour out like the, mm-hmm. that. We mm-hmm. have to keep coming back to the sacraments. We have to keep coming back to the Eucharist and, um, and knowing Jesus there and in his, in the word um, so that we can continue to give that and witness that to the, to the students. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And just to add that, you know, we can always, uh, we can always be, we're always called a greater conversion. And the whole, the phrase about like, you can't give what you, you can't give what you don't have. You, yeah. what is it? you no. can't give what you don't have. Yeah. Sorry. Something was, but you can't make a drink. You can, you can't give what the horse hasn't had to drink yet. What is it? Is that <laughs> anyways, but like, I mean, let me try to translate a little bit with what you're saying because it's like well if you don't have it then don't get out of the classroom i would say well you know if if you're not bring yourself in greater conversion greater closer relationship with christ then yeah like you're here just for transmission you're not here for conversion and and changing Mm. hearts and so witness that's that's why this podcast i think started right is is there's this need for where can teachers be fed you know where can they hear from other teachers and hear how other teachers, um, you know, cultivate and continue to, to, to deepen their relationship with Christ. And, um, just by encountering scripture like you did and in your reflections on all this. And that leads to my next natural question. I mean, it's, it's, maybe it's easy for you as a Jesuit, but, um, or not, but, uh, I think what's been good for me to hear from a lot of people is yes, we need to be able to give what we have or give what feeds us. And so what is it, what what feeds your prayer life and what fed you um, to to give uh, and share uh, as your time as a teacher or even as now as a student? Like, um, what is it that uh, you and, and our audiences can 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 do to to kind of emulate that and, and give what we receive? Yeah, I think I think part of the problem is that people stop falling in love. Mm-hmm. People fall out of out of love. They, we fall out of love with with our God mm-hmm. and. You know, it becomes so. Maybe it's a better question to ask you two. How do you stay in love as a couple? Oh, that's for another podcast. Well, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, by by way of by way of analogy, I yeah. think there's something helpful there. For I mean, as a celibate, I have a harder time answering these questions, is because you know, my beloved is is perfect. Is not is, but it's not physical. It's not a physical sure. relationship. Um, no, yeah. I mean, I would definitely. I'm glad you actually said that because what I was thinking is you know, staying in love as a marriage is not about like, like warm, fuzzy feelings. It's about a choice every day of I, I choose to 
continue to sacrifice for you. I choose to continue to put up with your annoyances and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it's, it's, I think for faith, a lot of people can, can go through those periods of highs. Like, like when you're kind of, when you're young and you're idealistic and, you know, maybe you're part of a youth group or like a college ministry or something and there's good music and there's fun people and then, and, and it brings warm fuzzies. And it's kind of the same as like the early stages of romance where there's like a lot of warm fuzzies and it's really fun. But then as you mature in the faith and those things kind of fall away and your community moves on and now you find yourself alone kind of in the real world and trying to find a parish and maybe the preaching at your church isn't great or maybe the music at your church isn't great and you're not feeling those warm fuzzies anymore. It's really easy to be like, you know what, that was that was kind of like dumb and idealistic and, mm. you know, but but where the the shift is, is, is that choice. It's an act of the will, you know, love is an act of the will. And it's saying, I'm, I'm still here. And I still believe, um, in the same way that I say to Joe, I'm still here, still here. So <laughs> my version of the, of your question, my response, uh, you know, and how, how do I feed my marriage or how do I stay in love? It's, it's, uh, I'm constantly living the Paschal mystery. <laughs> <laughs> suffering, death. lots of suffering, lots of death, and then there's resurrection moments. And I think we're all called. I mean, we do that at Mass. You know, Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. And um, you know, we can find that if if I'm in the right mindset and I'm very much aware of like you know embracing the suffering moments in marriage, embracing the suffering moments in teaching. But then also, you know, the death to self that comes with all of that, the sacrifice. But there are so many resurrection moments. And I wish I was in the right mindset, you know, again, being in a a prayerful way, being aware of like these resurrection moments are happening all the time. There's new life. And there's always these moments where where God is saying, hey, I'm here. I'm alive. Like I am I'm out of the tomb. You know, don't don't hide me like I'm right here. And so. That happens a lot in our marriage, and obviously with kids, like there's resurrection every day, and that's what's the beautiful part about um, having children. But yes, there's lots of suffering and death. But same thing with marriage. And so, if I'm able to be in that mindset where I'm saying yes to that Paschal mystery and and being okay with mm-hmm. it and and celebrating it and enjoying it in all phases of it, um, that's definitely what speaks to me is with my teaching too. Is like I I look do I am I looking for uh you know the resurrection moments am i celebrating those resurrection moments or am i just trying to get out of the tomb and get out of the suffering and the death parts you know and you know let's just make it to monday or let's make it to friday make it to friday you know so monday nobody wants to make it to monday you know Hmm. but if i can really say that to myself like yeah there's there's definitely resurrection moments always happening in the classroom yeah 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 um so i would just say I think I think that's right. Where is the resurrection, you know, blossoming in your life and seeing that and being grateful for that and expressing gratitude for that? Because in the story, for example, on the road to Emmaus or, or with Philip and the eunuch, it is the resurrected Christ um, that encounters and breaks through. You know, if I mean, maybe as a as a homework assignment for some of these teachers that are listening, um, read the book of Acts, because if you find yourself tip, like uh, tepid in your faith or uncertain about how you can make a difference as a Catholic in the classroom, read the book of Acts because this is a fisherman, Peter, who's standing in front of the Sanhedrin and saying, come at me, bro, because <laughs> I, you know, I've been touched by Jesus and I am unafraid, you know, to preach the gospel with boldness, which is what all the apostles do in the book of Acts to the point of death. It's awesome. It's awesome to read. 
I don't know. It invigorates me because it reminds me, okay, where have I encountered the risen Lord in my life, in the classroom? And has that changed me? And if it's not changing me, then something needs to change. Hmm. That's really powerful. Uh, okay. So let's, let's say, David, you know a lot about podcasts. What other like resources could you think of if somebody is kind of like, okay, yeah, I got to step up my game. What would you recommend? Like what are easy to digest, uh, easily accessible resources, either podcasts or video series or anything like that, um, that you would recommend for teachers? Teachers for teaching or teachers for growing in their faith? I think for growing in their faith. Yeah, absolutely. First thing, no question. Anything Bishop Barron does is what people should be doing. No question. Um, he, I mean, he's, he's fantastic. He's intelligent. He's well-spoken. He's humble. He's entertaining. Um, he's got two podcasts and one of them is a weekly interview that he does, um, where he talks about some random topic with somebody. And then he also has a gospel. He has a reflection on the Sunday readings every week, which is great. I'm not a big fan of his video series just because I don't really live on YouTube. Um, but his podcasts are great. And most of those are just repeated as videos on his YouTube channel. Um, I would definitely start there and then let that be your, your gateway, you know, into that. Um, so that's one big thing. Um, yeah. What, what, uh, suggestions do you have? Do you have any other ideas that, well, that's my favorite, obviously. I, I knew you were going to say that. I love Bishop Aaron. Um, I think I, just for me, the, anything that does like reflections on the daily readings, or um, there's even a podcast called Pray As You Go that's like um, oh, yeah, kind of totally. similar to this, like where you kind of, it's like a little mini, mini Lexio Divina on, I think it's the gospel of the day um, with some, like some music, some questions for reflection, um, and it's maybe 10 minutes. That's kind of an easily accessible way to get in some prayer time and to stay connected to the, the readings for the day. Sure, um, sure. Like so, so I'm going to, I'm going to maybe turn your question on its head for a second. Um, let's be good teachers for a second. We, we don't lesson plan by asking what activities we'll do today. Mm-hmm. Right. We lesson, we lesson plan by asking what, what is the goal is mm-hmm. and what is the objective. Um, and, you know, if teachers are listening, then I would challenge them to, to lesson plan for their formation in their faith and stopping bad teachers to yourself. So hmm. I, I think, I think there's a good lesson there because I think most of us are just like, Oh my gosh, what is the activity that I must do now to, to prove that time has gone by and I've achieved my whatever, mm-hmm. like, you know, when you're in the classroom and you just say, I'm going to do worksheets, I'm going to do a small group thing. It's like, but why? Mm-hmm. So maybe that's one question I would ask a bunch of teachers who are trying to grow in their, or any Catholic, what's your objective? And then it could be different for every person. So Elizabeth, if I ask you and you say, I really want to work on loving my husband better. That's my objective and finding God in him because of X or Y or Z. Well, then the resources that you need are going to be very different than mine. The activities that you do are going to be different from mine and they're going to be far more personal. Mm And far more creative. It could be like, you know, I'm going to make sure that every day I put a love note in my husband's lunch. <laughs> so that he, and that's, that's you giving him a resurrection moment in his day. He's a words of so, affirmation guy. So, yeah. I haven't gotten a love note all year. Because you don't get a lunchbox. <laughs> because oh, <yeah>. your <laughs> school gives you lunch. Oh, so you don't have to do that I anymore. I don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, so. Jesuit checking things off my marriage list. Lunch. <laughs> 
Love note, scratch it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know what I mean? I think there's a good lesson there yeah. of, of what is the objective. Um, but I, I would say Bishop Barron is a great activity for anybody to participate in. But my, my first suggestion is sit down and ask yourself honestly, as a person, as a Catholic, what is your objective? Yeah. And, and it, should, it, should, it should be different for every person, but it should boil down to the same basic thing. Um, you know, if you don't want to be a saint, if you don't want to grow in holiness, if you don't want to, if you don't want that, then who cares if you watch Bishop Barron? True. And, and what you're also inspiring me just to circle back to the beginning of all this. Uh, I'm looking at the scripture right now. And again, the line that you shared, um, how can I, unless someone instructs me, you know, it's part of that is we need to let, we need to let give ourselves permission, make the time, allow someone to instruct me, whether that's um, Christ in prayer um, which, you know, I think to, to the point too, that, you know, if you're going to ask this question of what can we do, it's like, well, do you want to be instructed? Do you want mm -hmm. to, mm. to let someone instruct you? What do you want someone, uh, you know, whether it's, it's through the word, it's through, uh, the voice, uh, you know, on a blog or in a podcast, you know, just commit the time, <laughs> you know, you, yeah. you, you shared your routine and your morning routine and, People need to find a, I need to find a, a morning routine as well to, to kind of be in that right mi mindset in the morning so that I can give what I have received from that prayer time. Mm -hmm. Well, it's kind of like mm -hmm. what you're like pointing out earlier, David, talking about your, uh, your students and who they look up to. Like if, if I want to become a better, I don't know, basketball player, everyone knows I need to be a better basketball player because I'm a mm -hmm. terrible basketball player, but you know, I would find a mentor like really and truly like I want to be a better mom. So I find a mom who's a little bit further down the path than I am so that I can look up to what she does and ask her questions and get advice from her. In the same way with teachers, you would, you know, a young inexperienced teacher is going to want to find a mentor who knows what they're doing. Well, obviously the same in the faith. Like let's, let's find someone who's a little further down the path than we are that can kind of mentor us, walk with us. Um, yeah. Find a teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Start with an objective and get someone to help you with that. That's great advice. This is good teaching pedagogy. Like this is this yeah, is pedagogy. This is good teaching. Truth. All right, so wrap it up and uh, give us one more spot about your podcast and where people can find you on the internet. For everybody who's on Reddit, I don't know anybody that's on Reddit except you and my husband. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all of us are on Reddit, even if you didn't know it, oh, okay. because. It's the front page of the internet. So, <laughs> um, so as as you guys were saying earlier, I have two podcasts, um, and I mean they're just they're fun things with friends. Um, they're not all that serious. One of them is called the Other Things, and it's a, a space for me and one of my Joseph brothers, who is also a good friend of Joe and Elizabeth. Um, he and I just talk about things. Uh, it's just sort of a catch. It's sort, it's sort of <laughs> that pretty much sums it up. That's that about is exactly it. Yeah. what your podcast is about. <laughs> yeah, 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 and. <laughs> it's funny because it's true <laughs> yeah and that's kind of all we do um and it's tangentially related to so it's it's the methodology even though elizabeth probably would roll her eyes at this the methodology is is pretty subtle here there's a there's a brilliance to the <laughs> to, <laughs> to the method here um yeah and i won't i won't i mean i can i can stand on my soapbox and defend my show for a while um <laughs> We can talk about that offline. Yeah. Let's just say you um, haven't defined your objective yet. 
<laughs> or it's just it's just so abstract. It's just real that free in, form. <laughs> it's a very free form, but it's two Jesuits who are both about to be priests that are talking about life and anything that they are interested in. Yeah. And then the other one is called that one's called the other things. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. And then um, the other one's also on Apple Podcasts. We just started it last week, and it's it's in the tradition of that you find from a lot of parishes priests putting up their homilies. Um, we decided to do it from the front end and not the back end. It's a great uh, idea, by mm-hmm. the way. Um, this, has thank a very, you. Yeah. this has a very clear objective. It does. It definitely has legs. There's a lot of potential here. I think. And the basic, the good. basic premise. Yeah, the basic premise of it is it's not a polished homily that we're posting. It's three guys who will be preaching on Sunday, just read the readings, and we're gonna sort yeah. of spitball. What are you guys thinking? What are you thinking? We're gonna talk You're about this Sunday. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's great. I, I'm also on Twitter, and I'm also you know on Reddit and. On Instagram. But, I mean, who cares? <laughs> you never know. Maybe you've inspired someone who wants to hear more of your wisdom. Well, I highly as you know, that I'm you very follow, happy. Uh, Mr. David Lugo on the social medias because he is a treat with everything that he shares. So. That's true. He's a man of strong opinions, strongly held, and uh, very well thought out. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. You're not so oh, bad shucks. yourself. Well, hey, it's only taken us a year to get you on our podcast, but we're really glad you're here, and uh, thanks for your time. Yeah, thank you for having me. This has been a real blessing. That wraps up our episode for today. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Longview Podcast. If you enjoyed our conversation, be sure to subscribe on iTunes to be up to date on our latest episodes. Also, share our podcast with a friend, another teacher, an ace friend, your mom, anyone that you think would enjoy our conversation. Your reviews and comments on iTunes help us to show up in the search bar, so we always appreciate that. If you'd like to connect with us on social media, you can find us on Facebook at Dallas Ace Advocates, and we're also on Twitter at Dallas Advocates. We'll see you here next time on the Longview Podcast. <laughs>